Welcome to Wizard Studies. I'm Katie. And I'm Audrey. And today, yet again, we are talking about her Miss Hermione Granger. So The birthday girl. Yeah, happy birthday. I don't know how you like I don't know what circumstances would lead you to listening to this episode first, but just in case that did happen, this is our part two of our, of our Hermione episode. So if you have not le- yet listened to part one, I recommend you stop right now and find the previous episode and start with that one yes please do i mean not that it's like conflicting information or anything it just you won't be that confused but you'll just be like why are they just jumping right into it yeah yeah we did some more setup more background in that one and i wouldn't want you to just think we talk about her imperfections either like even though this is the defense of Hermione Granger. <laughs> Honestly, do we have um, to repeat title names? So, yeah, basically this long extended section, which is turning into its own episode, is titled Imperfections? Question <laughs> mark. Um, and the impetus behind this is just like, I came up this with this idea because I love Hermione so much, and I know Katie loves Hermione, and I think a lot of people do. So I think... It'd be good to talk about, discuss some of her more controversial choices, because she does have quite a few of them. That's very true. But I don't know how much we're going to critique her. I don't really feel like we're going to critique her that much, but we'll see how this goes. I think, at least in my sections, I do a lot of, like, justifying the bad things that she does. Like, I'm not saying that the things that she does are good. But I just provide reasoning as to why they make sense kind of thing. Yeah, for sure. For sure. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Let's do it. Ready? Yeah, let's go. I feel like we just recorded. We just finished an episode. (laughs) (laughs) We did. We've been at this for a while. Uh. Um, All right. So the first thing on the list is SPEW. Which I'll just call spew because it just... It's easier. It's it's easier. Um, So the background... um, I guess that I don't really need to give the background, but... Hermione founds this organization called Spew to, you know, promote elfish welfare. There's a lot of controversy with this because she doesn't go about it in the right way. So I was thinking about this and I was like, Hermione first meets at herself when they met Winky in the box at the Quidditch World Cup. And, like, that's... Okay, well, I'll get to that part later, but I'm getting ahead of myself. But Winky is clearly stressed and scared the whole time. And then a few hours later, Winky gets blamed for casting the dark mark and treated terribly by Crouch right in front of Hermione. So, like, I mean, she has clearly enough reason to just, like, see this and and know that it's an injustice. It makes sense with Hermione's character... Um, you know, she's always fighting for the underdog, not falling into those wizarding world prejudices, um, regarding muggleborns, werewolves, giants, and house elves, that she would be appalled at the way Winky is treated. Um, especially we have to remember that this is something where she is kind of an outsider to the norms of the wizarding world. So, um... She is in a position as a muggle-born to be more critical of a lot of things that are just, like, practice and norm in the wizarding world. So... She's, like, an outsider to this culture, so she doesn't exactly. have any preconceived notions. Right. And I think it is great that she takes action. Hermione's not one to sit around. She always acts on things that she believes in, facts that she knows to be true, and so... You have to commend her for, like, seeing an injustice and then wanting to fight it. She doesn't just back down or or go on with her life and be like, oh, well, that doesn't apply to me. So it's great. Um, But the issues come in when she starts to do this work for Spew. So first and foremost, the most important thing, I think, to get across that Hermione failed to do is that a campaign for the rights of a certain group of people, like a marginalized group, should never be run without that group's voice. That group's voice should always be centered. So you will see, like, 
don't know if people are going to be listening to this down the road years from now, but if you're listening to this in the current moment, um, the Black Lives Matter movement has kind of experienced a great resurgence with the, I'm not going to say increase in police brutality, but increased awareness of police brutality against black people in America. And one of the big components of the Black Lives Matter movement and um, recent anti-racist sentiment and movements are to focus and center the voices of black people and other people of color. So Hermione failed to do this. Um, Instead of lifting up the voices of house elves, she just spoke for them in what she thought was the right thing to do. Um, when she formed Spew, she had only ever met one house elf, I believe. I don't think she had even met Dobby at this point. Um, she had barely one conversation with this house elf. Like, I don't even know if what you would call them talking to Winky as, like, a full conversation. Yeah, uh, I think it's also important, like, not... I, maybe this isn't super important in the context of the discussion we're having right now, but, like, Winky was a very... Like, her whole situation was, like, a little abnormal, you know? Yes. Like, she, it was a very unique situation for a house elf to be in. Yes. Like, I don't, I just wanted to acknowledge that. Like, I don't know how much, like, applicability that really has to the discussion we're having at the moment. But, like, she was a very, she wasn't your run-of-the-mill house elf in a run-of-the-mill situation, I'll just say. Yeah, that is true. Um... So from Jump, she founds this organization without ever having really spoken to a house elf. She's spoken a little bit once to a house elf, but it wasn't like with regards to the house elf's rights. It wasn't anything of substance. She has no real idea of what it's like to be a house elf. She hasn't done that work and educated herself in that way. And so like, that's where she went wrong from the start. I think it's rather ironic that like, she went wrong with not educating herself. Um, because Hermione is someone that's just so, she really values education as we talked about in the last episode. And so she should have learned more from house elves themselves, not from whatever she may have read, um, when she thought she was educating herself with books or information from wizards about house elves. She should have got the kind of education that you could only get from speaking directly to, um, someone in the marginalized group. So I think that that may be the reason that she had this misstep was because she didn't realize that there are um, really specific or not really specific, but really important types of education that you can't get from books. Um, And maybe I think that she came to learn that later when she had Umbridge as a teacher, but she needed to know that she couldn't, she needed to talk to herself. She needed to educate herself on the issue in that way. And like at this point in her life, she doesn't really realize that you can't get everything you need to know from books. So while on this top topic, I just want to point out that, um, I'm saying that she should have spoken to herself. She should have heard what they had to say. Like that's period end of statement. She definitely should have done that. Um, in the books, the house elves are portrayed as, like, enjoying their enslavement. And that's, like, kind of why everyone's like, why are you doing this, Hermione? And I think that that in itself is a really, really problematic representation. Um, I mean, <laughs> no one enjoys their enslavement. The And if we're going to, like, parallel house elves to slaves, that's, like, a really problematic thing to do. So that's a whole other thing, but... <laughs> Yeah, if Not you want to hear we're talking more about talk episode. about that, check out our house elf episode. Yeah. So, um, it would have been really empowering and great to see Hermione, like, speak to the house elves and then them have an actual voice. And, like, maybe they still want, would have wanted to work. Like, we could have kept that part, but they could have wanted certain things and certain freedoms and she could have amplified that voice without taking the spotlight. But also, I recognize that this is a subplot and so I'm, maybe I'm asking too much of it there, but... <laughs> So, moving on with Spew, in fourth year, um, when she found Spew, it's kind of unclear what she really does with it. I mean, they do go to the kitchens at one point, but she just kind of becomes horrified at, like, the idea of house elves at Hogwarts. Um, She might be, like, she's, like, circulating petitions, but no one's really legitimately listening to her. It seems like she's kind of just heckling people, um, at least from Harry's point of view, which is what we get. So, in the end, I guess it, like, 
it's kind of harmless. Like she's misguided, but she's not actively doing harm. Um, in fifth year, things kind of get worse in my opinion. She starts hiding the hats that she has knit and she actually makes like all of the other Hogwarts house elves besides Dobby uncomfortable and afraid to clean Gryffindor Tower. Even though we talked about this on the house elf episode, I don't think she actually had the power to free them, but like it's a sign of disrespect to them um, and what they wanted, like how they believe they should do their job. And so that is, I believe when she, her ignorance and her misguidedness ends up harming the population that she's trying to help. Um, and here's where I start to defend her, but I think that she always did have the right intentions. Um, she certainly like wanted the best for the house elves. She saw an injustice and she wanted to correct it, but she, she really went about it the wrong way. It doesn't mean much that she had the right intentions because like, as they say, the path to hell is paved with the wrong in, or the right intentions. Um, but thinking about this, so she was clearly in the wrong. Even though she was trying to do right, she was in the wrong. She went about this the wrong way. Um, I also will cede to her that at this point she's like 15 and 16 years old. So like, I certainly was not a perfect <laughs> and perfect uh, campaigner for social justice and still am not. Um, but I certainly was a lot worse and had a different perspective when I was 15 and 16. So there's that to consider um but that's always something to consider with this books is that our characters are teenagers and they're intentionally flawed um but speaking broad more broadly like in the bigger context of this ep uh of this of this situation i really appreciate this imperfection with hermione because i think it does a lot to show us how social justice campaigns should not be run and i think thinking about this in the current moment um I don't know that this was the author's intention. I honestly could not tell you one way or the other if I think it was the author's intention, but I think it is actually really helpful for us to think about critically about this now and um, learn the lesson that hopefully she learned during this um, campaign that, you know, that the house elves deserve to be heard and respected for what they wanted. And so, I also do think that one like silver lining of this whole scenario is that I do believe that she would have had some serious growth um, by the time she was working in the ministry and campaigning for house elf rights as an adult. And so I, I would have hoped that she would have done that with more input from house elves, having spent more time with them, actually learned what they wanted out of someone campaigning on their behalf and um, working hand in hand with them instead of drowning out their voices. Yeah, I think she was like a teenage girl that thought she could take on an issue that she really cared about and like change the world. You know, she was like mm -hmm. blissfully ignorant at that age where you just think that you can, you know, change the world. I feel like yeah. that's a common thing that teenagers yeah. think. And I like, I don't want to discourage anybody from thinking they can change the world because people do. And like, you could be that person, but maybe don't go so like headstrong into it you know like think about it be more intentional yes yes I I feel like we've talked about this quite a bit in our house love episode so I don't know if I really have more to like say I think that this is not there's this one is just not much up for debate I think it was yeah. clear that she was in the wrong I think that we as readers can learn from it I think that like she as a character I hope that she did learn from it. Um, and it's clear that her intentions were right. So you can't go and like accuse her of being a terrible person. I think it's just very, very misguided. And I hate to say ignorant because as a Ravenclaw, like being called ignorant, I think it's like the worst possible thing, but it was ignorant of her. And I think, yeah, I, I, I think there's a lot to learn from it. And so even though it's like kind of a weird thing that as a childhood reader, you don't really know what to do with, I think thinking back, you can really gain a lot from it. And I'm like kind of happy that it's in there, even if that wasn't the intention from the author. Yeah. I think that as a reader, I was very much like 
quote unquote on the house elf side and I feel Mm -hmm. like most readers are like you see the injustice in that so like you empathize with Hermione for wanting to change those things but also in the case of like the hats and the gloves like we see that that's awful like that was a misstep that should not have happened and we see like kind of I don't know the bad parts about it because we are kind of more on the house elf side yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Like and we you are see Harry's third party point observers. Of view. Yeah, and Ron, like he obviously shares his thoughts with us. But yeah, it's definitely an interesting thing to talk about, and I think definitely one of the things that people talk about when we do. Well, I said talk about like fifty times. <laughs> um, anyways, it's one of the things that's brought up when you talk about Hermione's mistakes and maybe why she's not the perfect character that people like to make her out to be. You know, she's so Which, perfect. Which, yeah, like, I don't know how many times I can say this in context of Hermione. Like, all the characters are imperfect, and that's what makes them great characters. And her imperfections make her more perfect. Because I would much rather have somebody who has flaws, like, dynamic flaws, where you can see where they're coming from, than a just perfect character that doesn't do anything wrong, you know? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so the next instance I'm going to talk about is the sneak gate with Marietta Edgecombe. <laughs> it's sneak gate. That's what I'm going to call it from now on. Um, this is probably the most common one that I think I see on the internet. Rita's always up there, but I feel like Marietta is much more like cut and dry. And I, not that we see the ramifications of that more, but like we do see Marietta like on the train in order or in Half-Blood Prince. And she's still got some, some scars, like the remnants are still there. So what I'm speaking about is in order with Phoenix, Hermione makes everybody sign that piece of paper at the first the Dumbledore's army meeting. And it was like a binding contract that she didn't tell anybody about that. If you broke the rules, like if you turn your back on the DA, you would have sneak written on your forehead and pimples, which I know I just talked about how Hermione was not very creative. Like uh, that's, that's a little creative, the having sneak and pimples on your forehead. <laughs> I think it's great. Like, it's it's very creative, and that, that's how it's great. I'm not saying it's a great thing to do. Yeah. So it's just like I you do, wouldn't have thought of it. For Sorry. sure. Um, I do think a lot of this comes down to context. I don't think that you can, like, blanket statement this a lot because there's a lot of nuance happening here. Like, number mm-hmm. one, Marietta did not want to be there in the first place. So, like, she should not have signed the piece of paper, but, like, Cho basically kind of forced her to so she was like an unwilling participant to begin with and like let's not forget that Marietta still did like betray Dumbledore's army um like what she did was wrong (laughs) um yeah like it was a very backstabby move and I'm gonna talk about maybe why she made that decision a little bit later but I don't know I think that like let us not forget that she was the one who chose to betray Dumbledore's army like if she did not she would not have had sneak written on her forehead and pimples you know like it's pretty clear (laughs) yeah and I think a lot of it comes down to people like to point to the fact that Hermione didn't tell anybody um like, maybe if they'd known, if they'd, like, known the seriousness of sign, what this signing this paper meant, maybe Marietta would have not signed it. But, like, I think she probably still would have. And I think even if she did know, I do think she probably will would still have betrayed the DA. Like, I don't know if her knowing really would have changed the outcome of what happened. I also, like, I think we have to look at this from Hermione's perspective and, like, to Hermione, like, they are, like, in a war. You know, like, I mean, she, yeah. I mean, she didn't firsthand see Cedric die, but she's, like, one of the closest people to, like, being able to believe the fact that, like, they're in a war. Even the other people that accept that Voldemort is back, like, she sees this effect on Harry every single day. So she's going to know more than a lot of other people how serious this is. I think she couldn't have, she couldn't have just been, like, 
well, if you sign this paper, then you'll get pimples on your face. Like, she, there was a reason for her doing this, and, like, she knew that she was going to need a way to identify who turned her in. And, yeah. I mean, like, it's a serious situation, and maybe she didn't handle it in the right way, but she didn't have a lot of options. I, I yeah. don't think that just, like, telling, ev- like, she, maybe she could have said, like, this is basically a binding contract, mm-hmm. but I don't think she should have, like, detailed actually what she had done to the paper because, like, she needed it for a reason. Yeah. I also think that, like, something you didn't point out um, when speaking about how, like, personally affected her, like, she is a muggle-born, so this war yeah. is a lot closer to home to her than maybe some other people. Especially Marietta, whose, like, mother works for the ministry, and the ministry is basically, like, in cahoots with Voldemort at the moment. So, like, she's in a pretty cushy <laughs> position. Um, so, yeah, I definitely I definitely agree with the fact that, like, they're in a war. So, like, there are different w- rules in wartime. Like, you can get away with more, like, ends mm-hmm. to a means kind of thing. And I don't really think that she should have not done it. Um, I don't know. I also just, it really bothers me that Marietta turned on the DA anyways. And I know a lot of people, or maybe not a lot of people, but people do defend her. Like, she was just a 16-year-old girl. Like, she was scared, all of these things. But, like, she wasn't the only person whose mother worked at the ministry. I mean, Mr. Weasley works at the ministry, Mm-hmm. like and the Weasleys were able to overcome mm-hmm. it this is gonna sound really bad on my part but like I get that she was in a tough position but like she and she was a kid and she didn't ask to be in this war but like neither did Harry and neither did Cedric and Cedric died so yeah. I think you can live with a few pimples on your forehead my friend um, I honestly I don't think that sounds bad on your part but like maybe some of our listeners will <laughs> think that sounds bad on both of our parts I just think that like it feels so minor in comparison. Yeah, I, so speaking about the punishment, so she had the word sneak ran on pimples on her forehead, and they were still there at the beginning of Half-Blood Prince. I did, like, on the internet, it does say that they faded, and she was only left with a few scars. I don't really know what the source of that was, but that seemed the consensus everywhere I looked. And, like, a few scars on your forehead, like, poetic justice, my man, my girl, like, Harry has a scar on his forehead and it caused all of the problems in his life so I think he can live with a few pimple scars because people have those even if they didn't betray the don't like their friends you know <laughs> like that's yeah also not an uncommon thing and I think she should have been expelled for this honestly like if I'm being honest I think she should have been expelled so I think the punishment honestly should have been a little bit worse I understand that like the DA maybe wasn't like a school sanctioned thing and it might have been like sketchy for her to be expelled for it because it like was actively going against the like administration of the school at the time but I like I don't I really don't think that it was really that bad like people have pimples and they don't deserve them so yeah i just i also like the argument like she was a kid every single person in that group was a kid and there were like like, 12 year olds like you know like dennis boy who didn't ask to be in this war and he died for it like come on yeah i think that it is like i can't think of the word to describe how it is on like hermione's behalf i don't think it's cruel because i don't like I think it's kind of like cutthroat. It's harsh, yeah. maybe. Um, but it's I calculated. think that she felt like the situation demanded that. And I guarantee you, she would have preferred that no one would have had to have sneak written across their face. But I think that she makes tough decisions when she thinks, like when she's calculating safety. And we talked about this in the last episode about like her, a lot of her fights with Harry and Ron are like come down to safety and like. They were all risking their lives being in this group. And so it had to be full trust. And Marietta knew that, I think. I think all of them knew that. They all knew what was at risk, right? But she... I don't know. She gave them up and, like, (laughs) I don't have a lot of... Oh, another thing I I wanted to point out... (sighs) 
is that there was no veritaserum happening in this. Like, she yeah. chose, I don't know if I want to say free will, like, there were definitely some extenuating circumstances that, like, made her feel like she had to. But, like, in the movie, it's portrayed that Cho took veritaserum and then routed them out. Like, Marietta did not do that. She chose to. So. Yeah. I do think it would be a different story if she took Veritaserum and still got sneak on her forehead. Then I would be on her side. I feel like it wouldn't. I feel like Hermione's, like, Hex wouldn't have done that. I you can know? see that, yeah. Like, I feel like if someone had been, like, forced into, like, Veritaserum, you, maybe you could equate that with, like, torture. It's not torture, right? But, like, yeah. it's, it's forcing someone to give you yeah. up. Yeah, under duress. That's the word I'm looking for. So, like, I... I think that, like, maybe Hermione might have thought of that, or if she hadn't thought of that, she definitely would have, like, regretted. Not to say that, like, just regretting something doesn't make it okay, but if she hadn't thought of that, she would have regretted not thinking of that, I think, as, like, a possibility that would have happened. Some of the Um, stuff I read came basically down to, like, if she had been left with no scars and the pimples stayed for, like, a couple months... I think it would be justified. I think the fact that it's said that, like, she's left with some scars, people took issue with that. Like, should a decision you make as a 16-year-old girl, like, leave scars on your body for the rest of your life? But, like, sometimes that is what happens when you... That's the reality. That happens all the time. Yeah. And... and... I understand that, like, this was, like, done to her by somebody else. Like, I get that it's a little bit different than, like, me choosing to get really drunk one night and fall down the stairs and, like, I'm left with a scar in my arm from that. Like, nobody caused that, per se. Um, But, I mean, like, she had a hand in her own fate. Yeah. And I think that... I think that she will have learned her lesson. I think every time she looks in the mirror and sees those scars, (laughs) she'll maybe think about being a little more loyal that's what i would hope yeah but i don't know like i see where people who criticize this come from because like as somebody who was a 16 year old girl at one point like this would be very devastating to me to have pimples yeah like pimples on my face let alone pimples in like the word sneak you know i understand that that is like a very harmful thing but she, what she did was pretty harmful too so I don't like it's I don't know it's a very nuanced thing and I think all of these things that we're talking about are very nuanced yeah all right should we move on then yeah that's all I have to say about that okay so next up is her treatment of Luna so this is another thing um that people really take issue with and it's actually often like people kind of just they describe it as bullying um and so i wanted i i think i really this is one i really really push back on um hermione i want to preface this by saying like hermione is one of my favorite characters yes but i also love luna she's also up there my favorite characters so um i do feel a loyalty to both of them so i think i'm coming at this a little bit more unbiased but uh We'll see. <laughs> so I, I did write a lot out um, for this on in my notes because I was really just like in a flow of what I was feeling with this. So I'm, I'm going to read a lot of it just to like make sure I get the ideas that I put down um, correctly. So I don't think Hermione was ever intentionally malicious towards Luna. And I do think she came to respect her and value her friendship. But things were definitely rocky between them and Hermione was not the nicest. I can totally cede that. She was not great. Like we were talking about with McGonagall and Trelawney, um, a few episodes back, Luna is kind of, in a way, an embodiment of the opposite of Hermione's beliefs and intellect. Um, Kind of like the, the opposite of what Hermione likes to base her her beliefs in so they're both very intelligent but entirely in their own way and if you like put Hermione in Ravenclaw you with the two of them you get very much those two types of Ravenclaws which I think is like maybe even more drastic than any other house I think a lot of houses have multiple types to them but with Ravenclaw I think those types can very often come in contention so Hermione bases her knowledge and belief system in facts and she has a high respect for traditions and the sort of discipline and like pedagogy of magic. Luna on the other hand 
always is thinking outside of the box and believes that anything is possible and actively seeks out things that others think are ridiculous and others totally write off. I mean, it really comes down to their upbringing and Hermione being muggle-born, I think. I mentioned this in our first episode on her. Um, she probably had to do a massive reconstruction of her worldview to fit magic into it. And like, I think it makes sense that she would believe that there are limitations in magic just as there are limitations in the muggle world because she was raised in the muggle world. Whereas Luna was raised by Xenophilius and Pandora Lovegood and like basically told anything was possible. There are no limits. So basically they were set up to be in contention with each other is what i'm saying um hermione only calls luna loony in the movie i believe i was not able to find it in the book and i found people saying it's not in the book if someone wants to tell me for sure i mean on my next read through i'll pay a lot of attention for it but i'm pretty sure it's not in the book do you have a consensus on that katie i didn't like i have no idea that is okay. really interesting to me. I'd never thought about that. Because I know Ginny does. Yes. In the book. Ginny does kind of in the, like, like lighthearted way. Yeah, like, in the first mention for yeah. Luna, I'm pretty sure it's, like, Ginny calling her loony. Yeah. Um, but also, like, I don't know. This, never mind. This That's more wrapping up thoughts. Ginny. I'll get back to it. Okay. Um, so, I do think, like... Even if it is in the book, it does seem kind of out of character for Hermione to do this in my eyes. I don't think it's in the book, so I think it's very out of character when she does it in the movie. Because, like, Hermione is someone who's been, like, called... Not necessarily, like, she didn't have, like, a name that they called her. But she's been, like, kind of ridiculed and laughed at herself. And I think that she has no ill will towards Luna. And I just don't see her doing this. I think in the movie, it's kind of portrayed as a slip-up. Where she like says loony and then this like I mean Luna I can't really remember honestly it's been a bit um so we'll get to that when we go through the movies but I just I wanted to point that out because I think that's something that people often list when they're like she bullied her she called her names it's like pretty sure that's just in the movie so Hermione is a lot of the arguments I found in favor of Hermione on the internet are saying, like, she contradicts Luna. She's not bullying her. So, yes, yeah, she contradicts Luna on almost everything, but I think it's never meant meanly. I think Hermione is someone who, it's, like, in her nature to argue, especially when she feels strongly that there's a rational argument to be made. She's very reason-based. She's very rational for the most part. There might be some exceptions. Um, but I think it's like in her nature to push back on Luna in these things. And so like making arguments and trying to prove her point is something Hermione is built to do. We see her do it all the time. And I think the two, like I said, they have very opposite beliefs, but they're able to be friends because they agree on the most important things like basic human decency. Hermione definitely should have backed off from Luna some. And I think it was harsh of her to contradict her on everything because there was a clear like power dynamic and social hierarchy. Um, where like Luna is always getting made fun of for her views and Hermione firmly believes she's right and she knows that everyone in the room agrees with her so she doesn't have to go to the lengths to argue with Luna about every everything. She knows she's never going to convince Luna and so it's only serving to further humiliate Luna. Does that make sense? Yeah, she's chewing. Um <laughs> she gave me a thumbs up. So I, I am saying that Hermione was in the wrong on questioning and arguing with Luna on everything because I don't think that was necessary, but I don't think that it was bullying. I think it was Hermione being Hermione and that she's going to argue about everything with everyone. She argues with her best friends. She argues with her worst enemies. And I think that it's in her nature and it's, it's she never argues with malintent. And I think, I don't think that Luna really saw it as malintent. Um, it's sad, but I think Luna becomes pretty numb to like the ridicule that she faces. And I don't think Hermione intentionally ridicules her, but I think 
when Hermione pushes back, others kind of, like, are able to laugh more at Luna. I also, this is a point that I'm coming up with now just as I'm speaking, is I'm, re- I'm remembering, like, Luna considers Hermione a friend, and we never really get Hermione's view, but I think she does as well, um, especially after going through the Battle of the Department of Mysteries. So, I don't know. Especially if, like, Luna thinks of her as a friend, I don't really feel like it's, like, there's a valid, strong argument for bullying because, like, Luna is not hurt by it. Like, Luna probably also sees it as, like, an intellectual argument. So, in the end... Oh, sorry, I just want to quickly jump in. I think that something that, like, you're you're speaking about is that, like, nothing Hermione ever says is, like, personal, really, to Luna. It's always just kind of... I don't know. I do I do think that Hermione was mean to Luna. I don't think that like I would go as far to say like that she like Luna deserved kind of the treatment that Hermione gave her. I do think that No, Hermione that's was, not like, what I'm saying. That's not yeah, what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I just like I think that there are some times where like she was just straight up mean. Like I don't know if I'd really consider bullying. Like I think I agree with you on that point saying like I don't think she was like a bully all the time. But I do think that there are some things that she said that, like, she should not have said and was, like, was getting into more personal. Because, like, while she would kind of frame everything as, like, a debate, like, I need evidence to believe this, I think it kind of came with the connotation of, like, belittling the way that Luna thinks and her worldview. It came off as very, like, condescending. Yes. Where I think that that, like, being condescending is mean. Like, she was being mean, you know? Yeah. I think that, yeah, I, I'm glad you used the word condescending because I don't, I hadn't, like, thought of that word. But it, it makes a lot of sense. And I think that's what I was trying to get at when I was saying, like, there's this clear power dynamic where Hermione knows she's right and everyone yeah. in the room knows she's right. So, like, it is condescending because everyone else feels so clearly in one way that it's like belittling that's a good use of the word belittling luna in that way it's very Um, much like what i know is right and you believing something else is bad yeah like i'm defending hermione in that i'm saying it wasn't bullying and i don't think luna was hurt by it like i'm saying Luna still viewed Hermione as a friend. I think they are mm-hmm. still friends. Um, yeah. But, and I don't think it's like a toxic friendship, but I do, I am saying she definitely should not have said a lot of the things that she said or said them in a different way. I do, yeah. that's what I mean by like, it's harsh, it's mean, it's mm-hmm. like condescending, I think is the right way. Um, so like in the end, she definitely could have and should have been nicer to Luna. I mean, like, she didn't, for Hermione's own sake, she didn't need to have those fights. And maybe I'm being far too forgiving because she is my favorite character and I feel like I can be, like, critical of strange worldviews at times and I try not to be, but I think this is another great, like, growing and learning experience for Hermione. Um, Like, I'm trying to spin this again, but Luna exposes her to a whole new worldview. And, like, even though Hermione does not really ever open herself up to it, I think it prepares her for being a more open person. I think that kind of exposure, and even if you push back on it, just more and more of that exposure can always be good. Um, And I think that she does, Hermione, in her in her favor does come to see the value of the quibbler which is something I didn't mention it's like how she speaks ill of the quibbler but I believe she does it in the first like meeting and then I don't know that she does it after um I would yeah, have to she, go back and like at first read she through doesn't but know that Luna's father is like the yes of it. so I don't like she says something offhanded and mean which like, she probably shouldn't have said but she gets like <laughs> kind of stuck in it because Luna she doesn't realize who Luna is um but I think like maybe we can give Hermione some points because she does see the value of the quibbler and of like independent press and free will and I think 
this is all coming i think again order of the phoenix is a very transformative book for her um where she's like learning that these like systems and institutions that she has trust in are not worthy of being trusted and so i think with luna coming in at that time hermione starts to maybe be more open to that idea um and like she does arrange for harry to get published in the quibbler so like in the end she does respect the quibbler in some respect this is true but like if i feel like if she really thought completely of the quibbler as trash like she wouldn't have seen it as an option but I still do think that she thinks the things in the quibbler are trash. Yeah, probably. You know? But I think she she can see the value in it as a, like, publication. Yeah. I also, I don't know if there's a whole lot in this series about Luna and Hermione's relationship, especially, like, post Order of the Phoenix, post their, like, initial meetings, basically. Yeah. Um, There's but not, I, I think. don't, yeah, I think you said something earlier that I disagree with. I think you said that Hermione came to respect Luna, and I don't know if I believe that to be true. I think that maybe she grew to appreciate Luna and, like, the strengths that she has, but I think that just inherently that she, like, still holds beliefs that are, like, I still think that she believes that Luna is crazy to believe the things that she does and I think that prevents Mm -hmm. her from being able to fully respect her as a human because she thinks that the things that she believes in are ridiculous well I do think that she became maybe friendly with her or maybe appreciative of her and seeing her as a good person to like I don't know if I would use the word respect because I still think that she probably would have held the belief that what Luna believes is stupid if that makes sense. Yeah. I think appreciative is a good word. And may- maybe I seed some of your your criticism on using the word respect. I think to me, and I know that, like, there's not evidence for this. But I think to me, like, across basically everyone, like, in Dumbledore's army in the Order of the Phoenix, I assume that they have a respect maybe appreciation is a better word but they assume they have these like good feelings towards each other because I don't think that you can go through a war together and not have those and I think that especially like we don't see Hermione and Luna interact in Deathly Hallows but like Hermione does see some of like what Luna goes through and I think she does like she does understand where Xenophilius is coming from when he calls the Death Eaters on Harry. Um, and so I think that she, maybe not respect, but I think she has the capability to appreciate is a good word. And I like I think she does feel some like love and bond to Luna because they are all bonded. Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying that I that I don't think that Hermione likes Luna. Yeah, I just don't know if I like I like, and I mean, you could be wrong because this is obviously head obviously a headcanon because we don't see this. But like, or I don't know, maybe we do in Cursed Child. I don't think Luna's mentioned at all in Cursed Child. I don't think Um, she's in it. But like, I don't think that Hermione changed to the extent that she came to like respect Luna's beliefs. No, I agree. Can I jump in? Sorry. Yeah, yeah, no, I, that was like, that's, oh, okay. that's all I really um, say. No, I agree. I'm not saying she respected her beliefs, but I mean, she, and I, I guess there's always going to be that caveat when I say, like, she respected her as a person, but I think Hermione immediately gains respect for people who are going to stand up and fight for the side that she believes in, because I think, I mean, I feel this way about a lot of, like, relationships and I think I see I think you see it in a lot of characters in Harry Potter because when like when shit hits the fan the people that fight for the good side and and fight against blood supremacy and racism 
I think Hermione is going to have respect for them in that sense. And yes, there always is going to be that caveat that like Hermione will laugh at Luna for believing in crumple-headed Snorkax. Like, you know. Yeah. But it's, I do think that there's that like baseline level of respect on like base morality and human decency and like being a good person. I think she sees Luna as a good person. Yeah, I would agree with that. I would agree with that totally. I don't right. I don't think I have anything else to jump in about that. I'm yeah, I'm done on that too. Okay. So the next one I'm gonna talk about is her treatment of Rita Skeeter and her kidnapping and um held hostage and blackmailing of her. So I feel like this is another one of those big points I feel like Audrey kind of took on the more like nuanced points um not that the two I'm talking about are more are less nuanced but these are like just single time action kind of things Mm. um and so this is something that is like really easy for people to point to as just straight Hermione did this this is bad you know if you say that somebody kidnaps and holds a person hostage for a couple of days and then blackmails them I would be, I think it would be the consensus that that is a bad thing to do. <laughs> that person did a bad thing and they might be a bad person because of it. But just like the Marietta situation, I'm going to provide some context because context <laughs> is important. Um, so did Rita deserve this? I'm not a huge fan of like people saying that people deserve things because... I don't believe that in general. Even though we kind of did that with Marietta. <laughs> yeah, we did. We did kind of dance around that point. I don't think I used. The, I might have used the word deserve. I did not in my notes though. So Rita was causing like she was causing people harm, and specifically she caused Hermione harm by spewing these awful lies about her, using her position of power as a way to basically attack people in the press. And as a direct result of this, Hermione received a lot of fate, fate, I I said fate mail, a combination of fan and hate mail. It was not fan mail. It was hate mail. Fate mail. (laughs) Fate mail. Um, She, she received hate mail for this. And in one of instance of this hate mail, like she was actively injured from touching boobo tuber pus and had to go to the infirmary Hagrid also received hate mail and we see the damage that it did to him mentally like we can see direct results and the pain that Rita causes in the characters that we know and that we love Mm -hmm. specifically like I mentioned Hermione and Hagrid Harry does too but like Harry's also kind of just got this immunity about him like he's the one who saved like conquer the dark lord I know that kind of goes out the window in order of the phoenix but it still holds true for most of Goblet of Fire (laughs) He still got a shiny glow to him. Something I also want to point out is that the thing that Hermione blackmailed her with, being an unregistered animagus, let's say she didn't blackmail her and turned her... What? It's illegal. Oh, yeah, no, it's illegal. It's not like she was blackmailing her for, like... I, I can't even think... It's not like she... The only thing I can think of is, like, being gay. It's not like she found out Rita was gay and she was like, I'm going to blackmail you for it. You know, like, that's what I'm saying. It's Like, Rita was doing something illegal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The situation I would have thought gone with was, like, cheating on husbands. I feel like that's a very, like... I don't that telling like that's the most ex- like accessible example um but I mean to be I fair I feel know. like a lot of things that people get blackmailed for like are illegal but yeah it, yeah. it was still illegal and I would like to point out that like let's say Hermione did turn Rita in I feel like she would have spent some time in Azkaban so like I feel like a couple of days in a jar as a beetle also so like it's proportionally larger and then like a year just without work <laughs> Would would she have chosen it's it over Ashley? <laughs> well, I mean, it's like I'm not like capturing. I would choose that over Askaban. Like, I think that just. I mean, I don't really have any evidence that she would have been sent to Azkaban. We do know that she would have like stood trial and could have been like prosecuted for it, but I don't know what the punishment would be. She probably would have got off though. 
Yeah. And I, like, I mean, I do understand that Hermione basically prevented her from doing, like, a year's worth of work and, like, and not making money. But, like, I don't know if Rita really needed the income. And, like, what she lacked from that year, I'm sure she made up for more than in her sales for her Albus Dumbledore book. She was probably working on the Dumbledore book then. Yeah, I was going to say, she had plenty of time to work on that. Um, And then she even used her to write this groundbreaking article from Harry Potter, like an interview with Harry Potter. So, like, I... This is another one of those things where, like, on paper it seems really bad, but when you bring context to it... I really think the main problem here, I fully wholeheartedly agree with her on the blackmail. Like, no qualms with that at all. I think the problem comes down to keeping her in a jar for a couple of days. Yeah, Um, yeah. I think that's the main problem that people have with it. And, I don't know, she was fed. (laughs) I think that there, there is, like, a serious concern with that. (laughs) because like Hermione doesn't really have like the right to imprison someone I also feel like Hermione doesn't really see it as a bad thing like she doesn't I don't think she really understands the severity of it which also is kind of troubling yeah yeah it's a little cutthroat yeah, I like. Can you I, read I your note. last bullet point because yeah, I, yeah, I was just about to. Okay. <laughs> um, I think that a lot of this comes down to the fact that like Hermione fancied herself judge, jury, and executioner. Like she feels like she had the right to make the decision of what Rita's punishment should be. Whereas, like we talked about, what she did was illegal. So maybe we should leave that up to like the legal system that's built to deal with these things. I mean, legal systems not always the best. They are corrupt. Mm-hmm. But, like, I think a 16- or 15-year-old girl might be just as biased and corrupt as in a corrupt legal system. <laughs> or maybe not corrupt is the right word, but, like, maybe won't make the best decision either. <laughs> just me yeah. thinking. Yeah. Yeah, no, she's definitely has a bit of, like, a god complex with this. Yeah. Um, And I think that, like... The- she definitely didn't have like the right to do any of this, but like, no one Everything really has turned the right out okay. to blackmail someone. <laughs> it all worked out in the end. I mean, um, nobody really had the right to do what Rita was either. Like, she was spying on people and like airing their yeah. secrets out in the press, and basically, like, she was perfectly fine with ruining people's lives when it came down to it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, someone needed to like discover Rita and confront her on it. I'm not saying that they needed to keep her in a jar. I think that was a probably unnecessary, but someone needed to like hold Rita accountable in some way, not like hold her hold her accountable like I mean like stop her basically. Make it so yeah. she couldn't spy on people. Um so yeah. I also like it's so hard for me to get mad at Hermione for this because like Rita is just the worst yeah and like I said everything kind of turns out just fine in the end like there aren't really any like repercussions for this I'm interested to find out if this like ever broke when she was campaigning for minister for magic if like (laughs) her opposition used this against her because that is prime like do you think like rita and marietta edgecombe like campaigned against her they ran smear campaigns yes this ad has been paid for by marietta edgecombe and reese heater (laughs) (laughs) that's hilarious um but yeah i mean as we kind of open up this section with, we did a lot of, I don't know, I don't know what the right words are. We did a lot of providing context to these things and talking Justifying. about, yeah, like the reasons why Hermione did the, did these things and maybe how they could make sense to her and why they make sense to us. <laughs> We're flawed too. Yeah. I mean, if my only flaw is believing that Rita Skeeter deserved to be imprisoned in a jar for a couple of days, like, I can live with that. (laughs) 
Uh, I mean, um, plus, these are, like, fictional characters. I think it does change a lot if you, like, take these names, off, like, away from the characters and, like, yeah. put, like, real people in these positions. But, like, this is a book, so... Yeah, don't be too harsh on us. Um, also, if you, like, disagree or if you agree, let us know. Because, like, I, these are good things to debate, so... Yeah. Just don't think we're terrible people. Yeah, please don't. I'm still a Hufflepuff, I swear. <laughs> I may not have come I might not have come off as one this episode, but All right. I I do think a very Hufflepuff thing though is like seeing both sides and being like very I don't know. Seeing both sides I think is just a very Hufflepuff thing and that is like very hard for me to sometimes not see both sides and not empathize with people because some people don't deserve our empathy. Sorry, not sorry. But it's like it's it's been a journey for me to realize that and to try not to do that. But anyways, for the where are they now section, Hermione did go back to school and take her NEWTs as probably like the most Hermione move ever. And in the most Harry and Ron moves ever, they did not do this. So Harry was just, you know, like running a branch of the ministry of the government, like without a high school degree. So we love that for him. She married Ron. And she had two children, Hugo and Rose. And then she started working for the Met. She started working in the ministry for the Department of the Regulation of Control of Magical Creatures. And this is where she did a lot of campaigning for the rights for house elves, getting them like, I think one of the quotes from like Goblet of Fire is like, "Can for a change in, campaign for their for a change in their legal status and like get them representation in the government so that." we can hear their voices. I assume those are some things that she worked towards while she was there. She then went on to work in the Department of Magical Law Enforcement. Kind of again, she did a lot of like campaigning for house elf rights in this department as well. And then she went on to become the Minister for Magic. And I have a bunch of asterisks next to that because I don't know if I believe that as canon, but I guess like none of this is technically canon. So yeah, this is true. All right. So in the Calling All Witches book, um, there's stuff on her, but like, I don't, none of it really adds to anything. Um, (laughs) They, the three descriptors that they give her are intelligent, gifted, and brave, which I like. I feel like gifted maybe could be changed for something more accurate. um, Because I feel like her ability is not like super innate, but yeah. And then for Cocktail, her cocktail from R.J. Thomas's 50 Amazing Cocktails Inspired by Harry Potter are is a Bellini. So if you don't know what that is, it's um, basically like a mimosa but with peach juice instead of orange juice. So four parts champagne, two parts orange juice. And the little like description says you might have to search around for peach juice but like a rare book from deep within the library's restricted section it is worth seeking out so you can make this drink so never had a bellini me either i don't love the taste like fake peach taste so it'd have to be like real peach juice but i feel like i could enjoy it i do like real peaches There you go. Are you concerned about the fact that your favorite Harry Potter characters go to a magic school that doesn't teach them practical skills like basic arithmetic or what an element is? Did you go to a magic school that didn't teach you practical skills like basic arithmetic or what an element is? If any of the above applies to you, you should check out our podcast. That's Not How Science Works, hosted by myself and my truly awesome co-host, Nicole. In our podcast, Caitlin and I discuss the science in different pieces of media, such as movies or TV shows, and dissect whether it's good, bad, or just plain ridiculous. Often, we also have special guests who help us rant about bad science and their areas of expertise. We release new episodes every other Monday, and you can find us wherever you usually download your podcasts. We like to think of this as a podcast for the science curious. So whether you're a practicing scientist or a wizard who just graduated high school with no practical life skills, we'd love for you to listen in. You can also find out more by going to our website, thatsnotscience.com, or by looking us up on Twitter at TNHSWpod. We hope you give us a listen. Now back to your regularly scheduled Potterheads, Katie and Audrey. 
For our pop quiz today, our question is, if Hermione did not go on to become the Minister for Magic, what job do you think she would have slash what job do you think she should have had? Yeah. So I came up with this question because I know Katie doesn't think she should have been Minister for Magic. (laughs) Um, So we got a lot of responses in our Facebook group. Samantha said, Headmaster of Hogwarts, spreading her love love of knowledge and the ability to revamp the entire magical British magical education system to bring it into the 21st century. I feel like she'd be a great person to do that. Um, Leia said, I think she would have been a great Hogwarts librarian and would have taken Ooh. over from Madame Pince to make it more fun and accessible for students. I really like that. Um, I do too. Idea. Taryn said she would have made a great teacher and Alex agreed saying she helped Harry and Ron so much. Honestly, she'd be good at all of these things. Jacine, who I knew was, I know was really anxious for this episode, um, wanted, I uh, said, a teacher or maybe a healer. And Taryn agreed that she would have also been a great healer. I think, regardless of what profession you put put her in, she would have been good at literally anything. So, yeah, all good choices. So I also Do you have, have Instagram answers. responses? Yeah. Okay. So I have, rem- I have some responses from Instagram because I did post about this on our story. So if you saw it within the first, like, I don't know, that we've been recording for like three or four hours now. <laughs> um, but so Rebecca said Hermione could have any job, had mysteries of Hogwarts, healer, elf rights advocate, etc. Um, so basically among the same sentiment, she could do anything. And said uh, she could work in the Misuse of Muggle Artifacts office. I feel like she, I've never thought about that, but I feel like she could be good at that because, you know, she's a muggle, so she knows a little bit more about it. I feel like she could interact with muggles maybe a little bit better. Yeah, than definitely. Especially Arthur. Um, <laughs> Francine said headmistress of Hogwarts. And then Larry said she would rewrite Hogwarts of History, which – I think would be so cool. Like if she wrote like textbooks or history books, that would be good. That is a really, I did think of like author as one of my options, but then I thought that she does have, like, I think she's good at human interaction. So I didn't want to choose that, but I do like rewriting Hogwarts of history. Yeah. Um, I feel like she would do writing about the battle of Hogwarts. Yeah. She'd do it for fun. Um, (laughs) maybe not rewrite because i think she has a lot of respect for it but like add add to it addendums to it yeah she would definitely add house elves in there i can guarantee you that yes so i thought about this for a bit like i said i kind of thought about writer i thought about a lot of the different hogwarts jobs um but one thing that i don't we don't really know if it is a thing in the wizarding world but i thought she would be really good at um would be kind of being like a lawyer so I think like this really came from when I was like talking about with Luna I think she's really good at arguing um she has a lot of like logic and reason and so I think she would make good arguments she would be good at like defending people or prosecuting people really either side of it I think she would be good I don't think that they have lawyers in the wizarding world but maybe she would like get lawyers in the wizarding world to make it like more just because you know how Harry didn't really have I mean he had Dumbledore but a lot of people didn't have someone to defend um to to like act on their act on their behalf so i think she would have been really good at it i think she would have like definitely gotten really nerdy about like different wizarding laws and like probably tried mm-hmm. to challenge them a lot um the ones she saw as unjust so that's my answer I like that a lot. I think I really like that she worked in like the the department of magical magical creatures. I just yeah, think the that. name of that department escaped my my brain for a second. I know I just said it, um, but I think that she would. I really liked that she continued her work with Spew, and I do think that it's implied that she did a better job of it maybe took some of those steps that we recommended to her in our (laughs) section you know listening to house elves and really kind of working on their behalf instead of doing things what like doing what she thought was right for them so I do really like that and I think that if she had just stayed there I would have enjoyed that I also I I know that a lot of people said that she should be a teacher and I don't know how I feel about that. I do understand that, like, she did kind of do a good job, like, teaching Harry and Ron, but I also don't know, like, how great she would have been with, like, 11-year-olds. 
Um, she might have been a little condescending you know and like teaching a wide variety of students with like wide variety skill range Mm -hmm. you know yeah and like I get that she was pretty like nice to Neville but also like on the flip side of that like if she had ever had a kid like Luna in her class I don't know if she would have been the best for that child um yeah so I don't know I definitely would come down to like what subject she's taught obviously and I do think she could be a good headmistress I also think she would be, she would really hate, like, teaching the same thing every year. Mm, um, yeah. Because I think, like, she would want to, like, she, I think she values education a lot because she wants to learn, not so much yeah. teach. Yeah. I mean, um, there's also, an, like, some, a job that, like, nobody really talked about and what we I don't think we've really ever talked about before, but doing something like Pandora did or like Newt's Commander did, kind yeah. of, like, going out and seeking that new knowledge, like, finding new yeah. ways of magic, I feel like that could be good for her as well, but I don't know if, like, she'd be so hands-on with it, you know? I was thinking about it in, like, the context of like the people who work in the department of mysteries like experimenting with new magic i feel like she'd be really into that um yeah but that was again i felt like there wasn't enough like human contact in that job for her Mm. i could see that or doing something with like ancient runes like decoding like being a historian kind of thing i could see that like an anthropologist yeah yeah sorry we've talked about this for a while (laughs) all right So, again, you can find us anywhere you get your podcast. This is a special bonus episode, but we usually come out every other Tuesday. Um, So it'll be like a week and a half from this episode being released. And make sure you rate and review. Let us know that you did that so that we can give you an extra entrance in our giveaway. Yeah, and then you can find us on social media. We are Wizard Studies Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. You can join our Facebook group at Wizard Studies Podcast Group. And then you can find us on Twitter at Wizard Studies. You can also email us at wizardstudiespodcast at gmail.com. Great. As always, thank you so much for listening. And remember, just do your best. We'll do the rest. And learn until our brains all rot. Mm-hmm.